0: This is the Bob Account Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app. Today, John Shannon and Richard Deitch mccowan is under the weather today richard so thanks for filling in
1: yeah i mean impossible shoes to fill john but i will tell
0: him that do not tell him that i will try my best he's unbearable to live with at the best of times you're gonna by buttering him up it's gonna be worse when he returns
1: that ship has already left (laughs) the dock (laughs)
0: well today we're gonna talk one more day of hockey you know us hockey pucks we love it We're going to talk to Stanley Cup champion George McPhee, the president of the Vegas Golden Knights, on what it's been like, what the journey was like, and how he feels now. George McPhee on the Bob McCowan podcast after this.
2: Hi, this is Bob McCowan for betrivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime plus get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options and get ready to feel like a vip cuz you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make you must be 19 plus available in ontario only please play responsibly if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you contact connect ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge betrivers.com
0: welcome back to the bob account podcast richard deitsch filling in for young robert today and we're joined by the president of the vegas golden knights the stanley cup champion vegas golden knights george McPhee. how does that sound george sounds amazing it's
3: it's uh sounds hard to believe okay so be honest how much sleep have you had <laughs> uh, I've had a lot because I uh, we went out the the first night uh, we spent most of the time in the locker room and uh and then there was an event uh, right across the street One um, of the casinos uh, had a had one of their uh, nightclubs uh, uh Uh, open for just us and so that was uh, fun and I had my uh, youngest daughter uh, with me so she got to uh, dance all night with some friends um and then uh, I got a little sick I just I wasn't feeling well so uh, I've slept for about a day and a half and uh back at it today
0: so I got to tell you before I let Richard in um I watched you on the ice after the game um and you were your typical low-key self particularly walking around to the uh the six originals at one point to make sure that they knew how much you appreciated things i'm sure but uh when when did we see george McPhee go crazy and jump up and down and wave his hands and start to cry like the rest of us
3: did when the stanley cups given up? yeah well john it's so humbling uh there, there are, I, I think there are two emotions that are going on one is like when i when i When i raised the stanley cup i it it was like uh uh i i can't do i have the right to lift this now it 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 was uh it's humbling uh and so that's how i felt that's the emotion i felt when i was lifting that uh the jumping up and down and everything else um i think that i think it uh kind of happened a few times, uh, during the playoffs, when we beat uh, Dallas, um, in the second game at home in overtime, that's when I really, I thought, okay, uh, we're up to nothing and we play really well on the road. I think we're going to win this series. And I think, I think now we've got a chance to win this cup. And I remember, uh, so doing something I'd never done after we won the second game and they were both overtime games. Right. And just doing this thing, like <laughs> after, after we won it, because I just felt like, I think we can win the big, all of it now. And, uh, so, um, somebody's delivering the
0: Stanley cup memorabilia for you already. Yeah. You, know, you got more, you got more swag than ever before. It says Stanley yeah. cup on it.
3: Yeah. But what, a, what an amazing, uh, experience it is and uh i don't know how to describe it some people call it validation um vindication and i wish there was a better analogy than something in the underworld but uh you almost you feel like a made man yeah you know because you you, you're sort of you've done it you, you you've you're given this certain status now, you know, Work working in the league is uh, the uh, the reward is in and of itself, just working in the league. But when you win it, Holy cow. Um,
1: George, do you know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, and I'm always interested in people who go into management, let's say after they played. And I wonder like, and maybe you're able to do this now with the wisdom of age, but, like, is it a different feeling to win as a builder, you think, than it would be as a player where you're younger, you're going through the game, there's emotion, there's adrenaline. But in a way, as a builder, it's, you know what I mean? Like the process in some ways is the reward. And then the outcome, obviously, you got what you wanted. But I wonder if someone, again, you played at one point, I wonder if you thought about like just how you react now versus let's say how you would have reacted had you been on the ice as a player.
3: Yeah, that, that, that's a very good question. I I um what i experienced you know i i think would be different from a from a, a, a player i think as a player you can just let it all go because you you know you know the the adrenaline and everything else is pumping um it's, i'll tell you it was hard to, to to get through that game because you're up six to one and you're like you, your mind goes to, geez, we're going to win the Stanley Cup, and then you cut it off, which is what you had to do for 63 days in the playoffs because you can't allow yourself to think ahead because when you start doing that, everything it goes off the rails. So you, it, it is an amazing exercise to go through those 63 days. You win a big game, enjoy it for an hour, and then that's it. And if you don't win 16 games, it doesn't mean anything. So you've got to win 16. And I've never personally been more dialed in than I was this year. And our team was the same way. We had the right leaders, the right veterans. But I had a hard time sort of just, you know, I was wound so tight during the game. The the, the, the days are so long leading up to a game. Um, I, I was just wound so tight. It's hard to let it go immediately. Like just, okay, it's over because you've been in this 63 day exercise that, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard to stay in the moment all the time. So I think the players can, and they're jumping up and down on the bench and going crazy and, you know, in management, you sort of think, okay, okay. And you start doing this, but it's not as, uh, is it doesn't come as easily. I think at least for me, uh, as it does for the players to go crazy. John,
0: I would, I'm sorry. I just, I, I would argue, uh, George, that the, the big lead you had allowed the party to start certainly with your fans <laughs> um and it you know new years new years Eve is one of those events in our our annual lives that you say is that it it's over now but but when you think that your your fans and your and to a lesser extent people like you and the players really could celebrate it for a couple of hours bef- before the actual event in many ways that was kind of cool for me that, I, that it was just a, it was just a party all night long
3: yeah it was great for our fans it was absolutely great for them and again it, it, when you're in management you know the bigger you lead you have in a series or the bigger the lead you have in a game the worse it can be if if you blow it yeah and so you're always thinking about that and uh but i i you know we got that lead, more people started coming downtown, coming down to the plaza around the rink. And, you know, during the early part of the game, they had six or 7,000 people outside, you know, a couple hours later they had 11,000 there and I don't know what it ended up being, but there were people everywhere and, uh, they've got to to really enjoy it. And the neat thing is when we score a goal in those, Those horns go on, that sound goes off in our rink. That also goes off outside the rink. So all the way down the strip, you know when the Vegas Golden Knights are playing and you hear these horns, we just scored. Wow. And so the the whole city was going crazy because it happened nine times.
1: I'm glad you brought up Vegas um, because it's, to me, it's a really fascinating place to be uh, part of professional sports. you know, Prior to, you guys saw a little bit of what it was like when the Aces won and how the community rallied around that team. But given that you've worked in other hockey markets, um, what like what is unique, you think, about winning in Las Vegas? I, I'm an American, so and I've been to Vegas many times. And what's always been interesting to me prior to the sports teams that have come, it's a very transient city. You can meet somebody from Kansas City. Next to that person is somebody from Philadelphia. Next to that person is somebody from New York. But, well, you guys have absolutely built a fan base of locals. It's a great in arena atmosphere, but yet it's still mixed with this classic American vacation spot. So, what's that been like to to win in a city that's honestly pretty unique from every other city in the United States?
3: well, the the uh, the, the one thing I learned when we first got here was that there really was a lot of civic pride. Uh, about getting the first uh, major league sports team uh, that we w- we've got the NHL and it meant a lot to people here, and there are people that have been here a long time, uh, and and it, it meant uh, a, it was a big deal to them, and I've got a couple of neighbors who grew up here and they can't believe what's happened what this hockey team has done for this city it's a big big deal to these people um uh, i think they 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 felt sort of legitimized as a city when they got the franchise and now they're champions mm-hmm. it's incredible what it means to these folks so um And in that first year, you know, I could not believe how many, how often we were recognized wherever we went, grocery store, library, uh, just, just wherever. People wanted to say hello, take a picture. It was incredible how popular this team was. And in Canada, you know, as hockey players, you know they're always treated as the the boy next door, and uh, they were never really idolized. They were never put on that pedestal in America. That happens mm-hmm. here. You know, athletes are are put way up here, and uh, it's been a a, a, a a very unique and amazing experience here. And it's just felt it feels so good now that we delivered. You know, I wish we could have done it in the first year because this city really needed it then after that October 1 mess. Um, I wish we could have done it then. But, you know, it took us a little while, um, but, but we finally delivered. And uh, th- that means a lot to uh, to all of us.
0: Looking at last year, when you missed the playoffs, you had more than 500 games lost to injury did you think it was realistic to win the cup this year?
3: No, I was, I was concerned that, you know, you know, we've got questions in goal and, uh, but I sure like the way that Sean Burke handled that. It, you know, we, we, we need to find uh, another guy. And he said, I like this guy. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get him. So we got Aiden Hill. Um, I was, uh, I thought Butch would do a, a really good job, and he did. the The you know the biggest concern for me was when Mark Stone went down. I thought, oh no, this is the same thing that happened last year. Mm-hmm. When he went down this year, I thought his career was over. Uh, and he went down, and our team just fell apart for. The next four or five games, we were really lucky that we got the all-star break to, to be able to reset and stabilize. But when we came back from that, I think the game that Kelly and I were the most nervous for all year was the first game back from the break. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we played in, uh, Nashville and then in Minnesota. And uh, I remember Kelly saying, geez, if we don't win this game tonight in Nashville, we're going to be in a lot of trouble because it would continue to the losing streak.
0: The other, the other leadership part of your team uh, that I'm sure raised some concerns with you for you was, was the personal issues that Alex Petrangelo had with his daughter and t- taking time away. And obviously the right thing to allow him to leave. And, uh, but that, that threw another curveball at your organization. How did you manage to get through that?
3: Uh well, we have the depth, right? We, we our defense, uh you know, the six guys were we're fortunate that the and and we we had, you know, at one time we had all of our uh it was uh, Petrangelo, Theodore, and White Cloud, their whole right side was out of the lineup. But Ben Hutton would come in, Caden Korzak would would come in, Braden Pahal would come in. And we didn't really skip a beat. Um we, and that was the you know, the the key to our team this year was the depth that we had at forward and, and on defense. And the size
0: of your defense. Let's face it. I, I think if if you're you know, while while you're playing in the Stanley Cup final, every team is going through their organizational meetings and they're putting pictures of your defense up and saying, we want a defense like this because in so many ways, uh, everything's driven by the size and the, and the agility and, and, the, and the smarts of your six defensemen or your, the depth
3: of your defensemen, correct? Well, yeah, size matters, but they got to be able to play too. And we had guys with size that could play and uh, you know they 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 did a really good job. And I and I I just know from personal experience playing in the league a long time ago. I was 170 pounds, and it doesn't matter how competitive you are if you're constantly going in and trying to come up with the puck against guys that are six two, six three, six six, and they're 230 pounds. They're going to come up with the puck, not you.
1: So I want to. You mentioned Aiden Hill before, and I wanted to uh, ask you about him. His uh, save percentage in the playoffs, nine thirty-two. I mean, that's exceptionally high. Seven point seven goals saved above expected. Uh, Looked that up obviously before you came on. Um, So many teams. That position has just been like the bugaboo for them when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, both John and I are in Toronto. They have a long history when it comes to goalies and trying to figure that out. Um, From your time in the league, like, how come we sometimes see guys in their first playoff run where it just clicks? You know, Jordan Binnington a couple years ago in St. Louis, your guy here in Vegas. It's, how do I sort of say this? It must be, I wouldn't say frustrating, but it it has to be like trying to find the ultimate riddle for someone like yourself to try to figure out like, who is the person, and can we time it where this person has their most success in the playoffs?
3: Yeah, the the, the goaltending uh, position in the NHL is is probably the most perplexing uh, position uh, in all of sport. Uh, <laughs> it, it it starts by you've got to make sure that the team in front of the guy really really protects them and our team played that way this year under butch it's the it's it's his system of play really protects the goaltenders they don't get a lot of high danger chances most of the shots are from the outside and so every goalie that played for us this year probably played as well as he's ever played in his career Uh, so it starts there but with aiden uh you know we needed once we uh, found you know the Bressois we knew right after the season was having surgery then we find out in august that laner's out for the year uh we had high hopes for uh logan thompson um and we just we needed another guy and uh, Sean had identified a couple of guys, and we called uh, San Jose on Aiden Hill. They were ready to do a deal, and Sean uh, was really good. Said, you know, we're we're going to give these guys a chance, and the first time a guy has a really bad game, we're just going to throw him right back in the next game, just to just to get us confidence where it needs to be. Aiden's first game was a preseason game against his former team, San Jose, and he was awful. Everything went in the net. And uh, and it was the first time we had seen him play uh, for us. Very next game, shot him, Sean had him back in, and he played a really good game, and he played really good games for the rest of the year.
1: Do you, one, one follow-up on that, uh, George. Do you find – is there a correlation, you think – between the confidence of the players in front of the goalie if the goalie's playing well. Like, it, like you have your players, they should, in theory, like perform as they perform regardless of anything else. But I think consistently, as we've seen in hockey, if the goalie's sort of standing on his head, it does seem to raise the level of everyone else around. And probably conversely, if the goalie's not, you see teams maybe take a level down and they're not playing as well as they can
3: yeah, if, a, if, if, if what you find is if a, if a goalie's not playing well, um and you're getting scored on and getting scored on, the team starts to think it's their fault.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And they and they stop playing well. And conversely, uh if the goaltender's playing well, it gives your team more confidence and there's there's a calmness about your team and uh that's what we liked about aiden he was calm in the net uh there was the game uh four in florida we're up three nothing they get that crazy ping pong goal i remember that kelly and i were sitting there going okay we can get out of this period up three zip we're in good shape Mm -hmm. and we know it came out of our mouths and 15 seconds later you get the ping pong goal and go oh here we go Third period's going to be chaos. But when that goal went in, Aiden Aiden just looked at his two defensemen and just laughed. Just <laughs> laughed. And it just calms everybody down. It was just. Now, when you
0: look back, I mean, Laurent Boissois started the first what, six, seven games of the series, I think, correct? Because it was game yeah. two against Edmonton. Yes. Yes. Um, so when Laurent goes down, you turn to Kelly and say, "What?
3: We're okay. Yeah, we're okay. And we had been talking about, you know, we got to get a- we like Aiden as a goalie. We like him as a guy, but we we like him as a goalie, and we got to get him in here at some point, um, just to keep both of these guys fresh, because I think that's a something that uh, a mistake that's made in the playoffs where you keep going with one guy keep going with one guy and they just fade on you and i you know the the two years that we went to the quarterfinals uh and lost in the third round we sort of went with one guy too much in my mind one year it was flurry the next year it was laner or vice versa and uh And I thought, you know, we had two number one goalies. Why don't we just alternate them and keep them fresh? Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, when Laurent went down, we were okay. Um, because we, we liked Aiden and we believed he could do the job. Um, and we had Jonathan quick that could come in and now he's the backup. And what that guy did for this team didn't get in the game in the playoffs but what he did for this team in the locker room and how he helped Aiden and his professionalism we don't win the cup without that guy in the room what, so what would what would quick do george well just the way he interacted with everybody and would have little conversations with them you know he you know i, I saw him come in the you know for breakfast once one morning and he went to a couple of kids um uh, that you know, were on the taxi squad, and he just went and sat with them and looked them in the eye and talked to them like they were 15-year vets. <laughs> and just, you know, you, you make those kids feel 15 feet tall.
0: You know, you, you, know, you had another guy like that, Phil Kessel, uh, who played a few games early in the playoffs and didn't play in the last couple of rounds. Phil Kessel appeared to have more fun around this team in these playoffs that I've seen him in a long period of time. And, and he wants to come back and play some more.
3: You know what? I don't know. There's anybody that has more fun than Phil. Uh, He just loves playing hockey. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you could find him playing shinny hockey somewhere here uh, in the next couple of days with a bunch of guys, because that's, he just loves playing hockey and his teammates love him. They love him. He keeps it light. Nothing bothers him. Um, he's he's just uh, he really really helped us early on uh, with uh, the the Ironman streak and everything else. It was a neat thing for our players. Before uh,
0: before we go to break, um, the one thing that seemed to jump out, and Mark Stone talked a lot about it after the the championship presentation, was the culture that you guys have created there. And he gave a ton of credit to the six remaining misfits. And it's funny because on on a basketball side, we always talk about the Miami Heat culture. How would you define Golden Knights culture?
3: Um. Uh, you know, it starts with ownership and management, but but it works from the ground up and i remember uh when we got together that like that was so important to to me to uh this is how we're gonna uh, operate this franchise and uh we're gonna do things the right way there's a right way and a wrong way and there's nothing in between and we're not going to look the other way on anything it's going to be addressed and uh so we did a uh uh, presentation, when we first got the team together, we did it with all the staff to make sure they understood our culture and went through all kinds of uh, details. And we did it with our players and we've stayed with it. And, um, you know, the the character, character matters, not just with the players that you have on your team. Character mat matters with the the guy that's behind your bench, coaching your team, and the assistant coaches. Character matters with ownership. Character matters manage, in management, and with our trainers and scouts and equipment managers, it matters. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never, and it's so clear now. When you haven't won a cup, you're always wondering why, why, why. Uh, but when you do win it, you understand perfectly why you want it because of the character in the room and and um, you know you've got to have ability and you've got to have depth and everything else but it's about who's inside that jersey and 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 what's inside the people that are helping the players Mm -hmm.
0: We're with uh, Stanley Cup champion George McPhee on the Bob McCount Podcast. Richard's in for Bob today. We'll be back in 60 seconds.
2: Spring is here, and so are the long days, warm weather, and yard work. If you're anything like me, then you know how easy it is to get behind on your spring to-do list. But Factor's here to help. The number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with ready to eat meals delivered right to your door, saving you time to get the things you need to do done. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. We offer delicious flavor packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles like keto to calorie smart, vegan or veggie. With over 34 chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. Head to factormeals.com Bobcast50 and use code Bobcast50 to get 50% off of your first box. That's code Bobcast50 at factormeals.com Bobcast50 to get 50% off of your first box.
0: This is the Bob McCowan Podcast. Richard Deitch in for an ailing Bob McCowan. We're with George McPhee, the president of the Vegas Golden Knights. Richard?
1: George, um, it was pretty great to see Jack Eichel um, win a Stanley Cup. If anybody's followed his career um, from the injury challenges he had to sort of the situation he had in Buffalo, um, the interesting thing to me about him is, you know, that could have gone a lot of different ways, but it must speak to what's inside of Jack Eichel to sort of get to where he ultimately did. Obviously, I think Vegas made a really astute trade, but... You can't reap the success of it unless the player himself has something inside of him that you've gotten a chance, obviously, to be around him. Um, what have you seen and learned about Jack, Jack Eichel uh, since you guys acquired him?
3: Uh, that he's a really, really good kid. He's uh, he, someone his teammates really like. Um, he loved being a part of this thought if we could get him, we could take a lot of the pressure off and put him around, uh, surround him with a lot of good leaders, uh, experienced people. And, uh, I don't know that we, uh, we thought that he could be the, the, the 200 foot player that he became because he was unbelievable defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, we all thought that, you know, you've got to have that elite center. Um, because then, you know, our, our our center ice really stacks up to be pretty darn good with Michael, Stevenson, Carlson, and Waugh. That's, that's a pretty good center <laughs> ice. Yeah. Um, but he became, and Bruce worked on him, as soon as Bruce came to town, he was talking to him about how important it is to be able to check. You've got to be able to check. And that... You know, I think that's always been with with Butch, but I think he learned a lot from Harry Sinden, too, in Boston because they had a good relationship, and Harry's one of the smartest hockey men that's ever lived, and you've got to be able to check. Um, Harry always talked about checking, and so Jack became this incredible 200-foot player. He was getting better as the season went on, but in Game 1, game one or game two of the playoffs against Winnipeg, Dubois was coming down the wing and Jack was tracking back on him and went to take him out. And Dubois sort of just threw him aside or reverse hit him or whatever and ended up making a play and they scored. Mm -hmm. And that was the playoff lesson for Jack that he needed because after that, he snuffed out every guy he that he tracked down. He just outmuscled him. He's got a strong stick, and he's physically overwhelming. Take the guy out of the play, take the puck. And he was dominant in that way the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, they, that,
0: game, that, that game won against Winnipeg. Winnipeg, I think, goes in and wins 5-1. Hard to imagine two months ago you lost the first game. But a lot of the headlines after the game were, where was Jack Eichel? Uh, and, and, and then between, I think the learning curve he had on the ice and then the phone call from his father, (laughs) which he's talked about, um, I I think he finally realized that that playoff hockey is different and you gotta, you gotta compete at a certain level, right?
3: Yep. And, uh, I'll tell you what, the first four periods of the playoffs that we played were awful. Yeah. We were awful. And, uh, you don't know why, um, but, uh. With Jack, it's his first game. He probably made it bigger than it already was. It's a playoff game. just, And that's that's the key to all this. Don't make the games bigger than they already are. Just stick with your routines and what you've always done, and you'll be okay.
0: So just just off the top of my head, sorry, Richard, I'll let you in in a second. The two things that happened in a game too early was Bruce put Chandler Stevenson with Howden and Stone together and used a ton of speed. Uh, at the in this late in the first period of the second period of Game Two against Winnipeg, and then Petrangelo went into a corner and just mauled somebody, and I think that it was a wake up call for your team in so many ways that you got to you know if we're going to win this thing, we got to win it every night, right?
3: Yeah, and and then we went into Winnipeg and the series is tied one one, and that was a really physical. This was big boy hockey. That was a really physical period to start at the third game. And Kolasar came out and hit uh, Lowry, who is a massive guy with a clean check, and then answered the bell with the challenge he had in the fight and sort of made it clear to everybody, we're here to play, we're gonna do whatever it takes. And that's when we started to take off.
1: You know, I was thinking and when you were talking about Jack Eichel and I wonder if, um, if you've come to sort of think about this league wise, um, what's the path that you take when you have someone who's drafted that high one, two, who's sort of projected stardom, like at 18, 17, 19 years old, you know, the Blackhawks obviously are going to have that with Connor Bedard making the, I think, presumable assumption that they're going to take them. But, um, I don't know is there a path is there a certain path to sort of craft to try to take someone who's projected as this and to and to get the best potentially out of them does it ultimately have to be on the player but that's I don't know that's just particularly interesting to me especially the guys who've been tagged since they were very very young as can't miss and as you know George like there's a lot of stuff that isn't going to be in their control in some ways you have to get lucky too. like that's not going to be in your control. You hope to go to the right organization. You hope to have the right character in the room. You hope that you don't get hurt. You know what I mean? And that's where Eichel is just fascinating to me because he really did come. He's come back from a place. I think some others would not have come back from. And it makes me think about Bedard and, and, and some others who, you know, now have to face sort of a similar path. You
3: have to be really, really careful and how you do things. Um, and it, it, I, I believe you know, I, th- I went through it with Alex Ovechkin, and I th- it's just like if, if if you break them in right, they'll stay right. And, you know, with some players, probably at Crosby, there's not a whole lot you have to do because he just gets it. Yeah. He's just a natural born leader and committed teammate but you have to be really, really careful. Um, don't pin a captaincy on them too early. Um, and don't create a hierarchy. And one of the things we did our first year, here, we didn't have a captain, right. like every, everybody. And, uh, and, and, I, and I remember like so many different players said it at so many different times. They love it here because there is no hierarchy. They love it here because everybody's treated the same and that's what you have to do and so when you bring these young guys in boy you gotta take your time and do it right and try to teach them how to play the right way and you'll get them to the right place at the right time but it's um I think a kid like Connor Bernard I think he gets it I uh but don't put any unnecessary pressure on him and just you know, maybe put him on the wing to start the first year. You know, like when Nicky Backstrom came to, uh, to Washington, we had him play on the wing the first three or four months of the season just to adjust to the league and not have all the responsibility that a center has to play down low and do that. And then, you know, late in the season, he was playing well enough. Okay, let's shift him to center. So it's a very, very delicate process. And it's, it's one where this is where you have to have the dyed in the wool hockey people in your organization. You know, you can do all the analytics you want, but you better have some people that have experience in hockey, that can do the right things and see the right things with these young people when they come in. You know, the power of observation is huge. There are mm. things you're expecting to see and there are things that you weren't expecting to see, but you better, uh, you better know what you're looking at and understand uh, what these kids need.
0: This may be an unfair question, um, but you get lots of credit. Kelly gets credit. Obviously Bruce gets credit. You've mentioned Sean Burke with the goaltending. Is there somebody in your organization uh, that uh, Takes a back seat and and doesn't get that you know that nod of approval uh that says he was a key part of our, our administration to create a Stanley Cup champion?
3: Um well I, I think Bill Foley deserves credit, um because he's the one that made the decisions to hire us. He's the one that gave us, gave me a second chance. Uh, and he, he allowed us to do our jobs. He really did. Uh, we could go three weeks without having any kind of communication or conversation or anything because he trusted us. Um, and when we were having scouting meetings uh, prior to the draft or prior to the trading deadline or whatever, he'd sit in on them mm-hmm. and he'd just listen just listen just listen absorb learn um when we wanted to do something um would I tell him what we want to do and uh, he may not have liked it but he allowed us to do it yeah and I I have to give uh, Kelly uh credit for the guts that he had and pulling off some of the big trades and the, the Eichel trade there was a lot of risk in that um, but he believed in his heart of hearts that we needed that elite centerman, and uh, and when he wants something, he makes it happen. He finds a way to get it done. He's relentless in getting it done, and uh, we all know there was a lot of risk in that. It worked out beautifully, but it may have been a disaster. Mm-hmm you know it's kind of move that uh could have cost us our jobs but it won us a cup
1: george i want to ask you a question i hope it's not unfair to ask you about a different situation but um i think your job kelly's job there's pressure on you guys no matter what organization or team you work for yeah Uh, but regardless of the team in the league i do think now living in toronto that this market is particularly unique for hockey in the same way when I lived in New York, I I really do think that that market is very unique for baseball. Like it just Hmm. intensity is just, it's just different. Whether you want to call it media intensity, fan intensity, it is. Um, So when thinking about your equivalent job in Toronto or the general manager job in Toronto, is there a certain kind of trait or characteristic that you think works best in like a position that you're in i guess what i'm trying to say maybe i'm not asking it elegantly but can you could you approach the job the same way you do in las vegas as you do in toronto as you would in toronto
3: uh no um the one thing that is neat about that and that i think really helps in vegas is um is the opposite of what you would think of vegas what kelly and i have experienced here is like we feel like we live in a small town in a small community because we all live close to this rink here it's i'm a five to six minute drive away from our practice facility and our corporate offices um and it's easy uh like nothing is more than 15 minutes away for us like our our game rink is 15 minutes away the airport is five minutes away (laughs) there um and so it, it just feels like this little community to us um so as much pressure as you feel in wanting to make sure sure you're performing as a management group and and uh um uh and in your team the, the one thing it doesn't feel is claustrophobic and that's how i've expressed uh, how it felt to me working in canada because i was in vancouver at one time right um it, it's 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 uh it's different than that again everybody knows who you are and uh and um uh, And, and in Canada, you know, it's a really knowledgeable fan base. Um, so, uh, they know if you're doing a good job or not doing a good job. I, I, I haven't felt that here. Um, what I've experienced here is people are really, really nice. (laughs) They just see you on the street and whatever. They're just really, really friendly, uh, in Canada, I remember a few times people would have some comments that weren't very nice, um, that just just inappropriate at the, the, the at the time that they're saying them. Um, but that's just what that's what happens, um, sort of in the baseball market in New York. It's right? just so intense that uh, when you're losing. It makes it even worse when you're winning. It makes it fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it
1: does. You're, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, John, and I'll, I'll give it to you. But the word you use, claustrophobic, I think is perfect because I, whenever I, whenever I sort of observe, like ten thousand feet, like baseball in New York, when they would win and you have and the city throws a parade, you you know, you think you're like the guy who landed on the moon. Yeah. When it's bad, it, it must feel like literally every single person is telling you you're terrible at your job. There's no in-between. Yeah. There's no yeah. place to breathe. And I think I I, I that's a really a suit observation for you. I think you nailed it. Go ahead, John.
0: Before we let you know, George, um, what'd you tell Mr. Foley
3: at the end? Um uh, I, I I talked to him um last night for a while and uh and uh he keeps saying you guys did it and i said no bill no you did it Mm -hmm. you did it right you you made decisions uh on hirings that have worked out and you and you let us do our jobs you just let us do our jobs you didn't meddle you didn't get in the middle of things uh it's been a a pleasure to work with you and uh and work for you so yeah, that's he he doesn't throw compliments around very often. Um, but he's his way of doing that was to to call me last night and say you did a really good job. And so, and who was the
0: first person you phoned after the after the victory
3: and after the celebration? Oh boy. Um I I, I don't I, I didn't know uh you know, because everybody's reaching out to you. Yeah. But uh, I did send. Yeah, uh, uh, I did send. Uh, can't get it out. I did send a picture of me just holding the cup. to uh, Two of my brothers. Wow, nice. Yeah, that's
0: that's cool, man. The other guy, I was thinking yeah. of. Uh, the other guy was thinking for you, and I'm gonna oh, get emotional. I'm gonna going. To get. I'm gonna get emotional. Yeah. And that was Pat.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, it's it's uh, you know when you when you're in this business a long time and you're trying to win you're trying to win and, and it and it doesn't happen it weighs on you the the weight is there and um and I thought you know it didn't happen in his career well that that's life sometimes it 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 didn't happen for Bob Clark as a manager it didn't happen for Harry Sinden as a as a manager but god these guys were were all outstanding people but um and but when you win it, it you realize uh what you what you might have missed in your it, 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 i I can't imagine I, I I couldn't now that I know what it feels like to win I can't imagine um not ever winning it
0: yeah uh, well and they can't take it away George your name's yeah. going to be on the trophy forever
3: yeah and 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 you know what John like having the name on the trophy is great and getting a stanley cup ring is great but that's 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 really not what it's all about it's it it's the experience that you have with this group of people that were able to put it all together and win it's that experience um and delivering to this community yeah that that's you know after after we won and everything else what I really wanted to do is just go home and walk around the neighborhood with my wife, and just and just with nobody around. It's just a nice just and just be able to say, you know, we yeah. delivered. We we delivered to this town. How nice! How great! How anyway? Uh,
0: you certainly did. Thank you for the time, George. Enjoy the parade tomorrow. It's, yeah, uh, you will. I, I tell you what, I really I'm always happy when my friends win the Stanley Cup. Thank you.
3: Thank you, John, and thank you, Richard. Uh, it's been an awesome experience, and it seems to get a little bit better each day. You keep waking up and going, holy cow, you won the Stanley Cup.
2: Back after this. When was the last time everyone agreed on what's for dinner? You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and someone is always craving Froyo. Well, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with our default contactless delivery setting. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BOBCAST23. That's 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BOBCAST23. Don't forget, that's code BOBCAST23 for 25% off of your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Thanks to George McPhee
0: for spending some Stanley Cup winning time with us, Richard. I I, I should mention, uh, I mentioned the name Pat um, and one of George's great mentors and one of mine for years was uh, Pat Quinn, the former president general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. One Canada's Olympic team uh, head coach in two thousand two was with the Maple Leafs for so many years. And I, George and I, every once in a while, we always wax poetic about what a great man Pat was and how many lessons Pat told us all. So uh, I, I knew that uh, between he and uh, and George talking about his brothers, that that would be an emotional moment for him.
1: Yeah, I. I... I was on with Bob a couple of times when George McVie was on. I, I can't say I know him at all other than through, um, you know, a couple of interviews, he would never know who I am. I must say though, John, I can't admire enough. Someone who really thinks about answers. And that's what George McVee did on literally every question we asked him. None of that was like wrote. None of that was cliche. And even from this forty-minute conversation, you you understand why he's good at his job and good with people because he he engages in what someone is thinking or someone is asking, and um, and I really enjoyed that. I actually I've actually learned a lot about leadership in the last forty minutes. Well, it, George is a,
0: uh, a, a a a really good communicator. Always has been. Um, I first met him as a player when he played for the Rangers and the Devils. Uh, he was going to Rutgers to get his law degree. Uh, and, and then when he was, I was at the league when he was with the Washington Capitals. So we would have a few, uh, discussions around certain things, but he was always prepared to discuss it. Cause I think in many ways, George wants to learn. George always wants to listen and learn and have a good time and then walk away saying, well, they they gave me they gave me a, a couple of thoughts that I might apply somewhere along the line. Um, you know, I, I I knew him when he was out of work. You know, mm. he, he shouldn't have been fired in Washington, but ownership felt they needed to, to make a change. And then, you know, how frustrating would it have been for George? Uh, to have his first year Vegas Golden Knights lose to his old team, the Washington Capitals, as they won their first cup with a lot of players that he had nurtured along. So from that perspective, he's a a lifer, like a lot of us, uh, but is always prepared to give you time. He's he's a true gentleman of the game. He's one of the people that when you talk about the code of the game and what the game's all about, George McPhee's name should come up more often than it does.
1: Yeah, and I would say just as a general rule, the smartest people I ever talked to in sports are the people who, when they're in the room, don't think they're the smartest people in the room. Those are the people who ultimately are wise because they learn something from someone else.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. And here we are. We're on the 16th of June. Uh, the draft is 10 days away. We're, we didn't talk about players, unrestricted players, because... Today was not supposed to be a discussion about business today was supposed to be a discussion of celebration and and fun uh but you know they've got to find a way to sign Aiden Hill they yeah. got to find they've got to go and find a way they acquired Ivan Barbashev at the deadline to help win the Stanley Cup he did just that they're going to have to find a way to do that this is a uh, this is a busy time for most teams <laughs> and George isn't worried about signing players as much as he is worrying about ring sizes parade planning (laughs) how many they get 52 names on the stanley cup richard so it's it'll be uh it'll be an interesting time for for someone who's been in the league 40 years now he understands a few of the other issues when you win a championship
1: yeah you take a couple days to celebrate and then it's back to business
0: well richard thank you for filling in for uh my pal McCowan, who's under the weather hopefully we'll see him or hear him back next week but uh It was a a treat to have you on and talk a little hockey.
1: Always great to be with you, John. Thank you. This
0: is the Bob McCown Podcast. Talk to you next week, folks.